Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Speaking of COVID-19, maternity restrictions will be eased if there's a higher vaccination uptake among expecting mothers and their parents. That's according to the masters of the Rotunda. Professor Fergal Malone said in the hospital only 39% of inpatients and 41% of partners have been vaccinated against COVID-19. They're very small numbers. I'm reckoning the reason for those numbers is a age group because maybe first-time mothers and partners are quite young so, you know, they may not have their second dose of the vaccination, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's a hesitancy, of course, by particularly, I suppose, if women are pregnant, there's a hesitancy to actually get the vaccine. Now, speaking to, uh, to this morning, he said restrictions will absolutely be eased if this percentage significantly rises, which I'm sure it will. Despite the HSE promising strict rules on mandatory services would be soon lifted, the Rotunda Hospital said yesterday that it will not be fully easing its restrictions as it's not safe yet. It said this is not only due to the low vaccination rates, but because the hospital is an old building. And we're all well aware of that, of course. The Rotunda Hospital is a Victorian building, a very old building. The Rotunda Hospital was built 275 years ago. And it's not possible, according to him, to ensure the minimum one metre physical distance in many of our inpatient and outpatient areas um, is available. Providing safe physical distancing in areas like outpatients, department emergency department and our multi-bedrooms is impossible. The current restrictions on some attendees or attendances by companions in certain areas of the hospital is an attempt to reduce the football or the footfall in these areas and to reduce the amount of people our patients come in contact with while in the hospital. So maternity restrictions have been eased across the country as per HSE guidelines. However, they haven't been fully lifted. The Rotunda said it is following these guidelines which state partners should be allowed at early pregnancy assessment unit visits, the anomaly scan, uh, that's a scan obviously if a woman has difficulties, and on inpatient wards and on the neo uh, neonatal intensive care unit at, at certain times, of course. They are obviously allowed for the entire duration while the patient is in labour in the delivery suite and having the baby, etc. However, the Rotunda said it cannot accommodate partners to visit at any other time because of what it has just outlined. So I want to know, and I'm asking you, maybe you've had difficulty, maybe you're having a baby at the moment, how are you getting on? I know it's been difficult up to now, maybe this is going to change a little bit and help a little bit, but if you are going to the Rotunda, you're still not going to be able to visit at any other time apart from those specific times. And how do you feel about that? A lot of people say, well, you know, they are hospitals, they're old buildings, etc., etc., and they have to, you know, it is a hospital, it's not a restaurant or a bar. And I've heard some analogies. Oh, I can go to a football match, but I can't visit my wife when she's having a baby. They are different scenarios. I think it's unfair to compare like with like. But some people believe that it's wrong and you should be able to visit. And joining me on the line is Caroline Cummins, uh, who is maternity advocate and campaigner to ease these restrictions. Good afternoon to you, Caroline. Hi, Niall. Thanks for having me. Caroline, now, according to Professor Fergal Malone, particularly the Rotunda Hospital, it's an old hospital. They can't accommodate people because of the nature of the building. Uh, it would probably lack air conditioning, etc., etc. We've all been sitting in waiting rooms in places like the Rotunda and the heat is overwhelming. So, you know, these buildings are old and they're not fit for purpose when it comes to this kind of situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we completely understand that um, the Rotunda in, specifically has its unique challenges in its age and infrastructure and but you know this is a this is an excuse that we've been hearing for eighteen months now. you know mm-hmm. we're that far into this into this pandemic um I've been well, the, every one of us at the better maternity care campaign believe that the onus is therefore on the rotunda to use all the resources at their disposal to find 
pragmatic and tailored solutions to these issues. It's not good enough at this stage to simply say, no, we can't do it. Uh, a lot of other hospitals around the country have made very creative solutions to, to making sure that every p- pregnant person has their support person with them through all stages of their pregnancy journey, and they're, they're deemed essential by the HBC's own language. Um, so, as you say, you know, and I, I hate to, to compare, but in the dining and the travel industry, they've used other resources such as vaccine passports, PCR testing, antigen testing, and yet it makes no sense to us that in a hospital, the one environment that you said is, as a, as a society, the place we want to keep the safest, that they haven't used these simple and effective measures. And why mm. is that? See, I suppose their argument is that if we allow visitational rights, so to speak, you know, to the partners of women having babies, that why not just allow visitational rights to everybody who's sick in hospital? Because there are many people I know listening. Now, I know they have compassionate visits for people if your dad or mom are very elderly or they're dying or somebody's in a particularly bad way or hasn't got long to live, etc. They do have compassionate visits, right? Mm-hmm. But in saying that, it's not a free-for-all. And they're kind of saying, well, look, we're allowing this, we're allowing this, we're allowing this, but we can't have just a situation where people are popping in to see how mama's doing in the new baby. I mean, or they can't just have a situation where people are just going to, you know, go in with their wife for a standard visit, you know, if there's a small concern or something like that, because that turns into a situation whereby, well, then we must allow all visitors. Well, my mama's in for dialysis. Why can't I go in with her? You know, she, he's going in with his wife having a baby. And I suppose that's the way they're looking at it. Yeah, I mean, and that's a fair point. And again, I just think the the stance of just looking at it from a from what we can't do is the wrong way of, of phrasing it. I think from the beginning, we've always said that this question around this needs to be, how can we make it safe for everybody mm-hmm. who's in a vulnerable position to have one support person with them? I mean, we've never, in, you know, we, you never in a million years would expect um, a, a pediatric patient, a child going in to not have a parent with them. And that is seen as an essential companion. The same should be sort of applied to a, a pregnant woman with their partner. That that person very often is the father of the child, so he is just as vested, you know, has just as much of a vested interest in the outcome. And um, in a lot of these cases, and some of the horrendous stories we've heard... As you I've heard some of those horrendous stories. Yeah, Mind you, a lot of that was in the earlier days. You know, I'm still hearing some of those stories. I heard one there recently in Mullingar Hospital, and I've heard a few in relation to, you know, people having to be, you know, got in through the back door to, to visit yeah, the, you know, their partners. I get that. Unfortunately, now, on our campaign team, we're hearing them every single day across mm. the country. It, it I've got emails. We, we get emails yeah, on a regular basis. But we actually only got an email yesterday about it from somebody yeah, yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, I mean, I think we can all appreciate the need for, for partners to be there. And, and we just think that if there was a, enough of a will, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these excuses or these um, challenges, should we say, could be overcome if, if the right pragmatic approaches were, were taken. And what I also wanted to say is, at the very least, for the Rotunda in particular in this case, you know, if they're saying that we can't do this until a certain percentage of um, patients are vaccinated, they could be sort of, uh, you know, handing, uh, um, using other ways to placate people by saying perhaps we could invest heavily in the maternal mental health services because the research has shown that the pandemic and the restrictions have resulted in a rise in postnatal depression and an unacceptable level of anxiety and distress in mm-hmm. pregnant women. And, you know, if, if and I can see that. I can see how that's happening. Yes, absolutely. Can, yeah, you can appreciate that. Okay, we, 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 do me a favour. Just stay there for a second because I also want to bring in Brenda Power as a columnist with the Sunday Times and the Irish Daily Mail. Brenda, you know, Caroline makes a very good argument and not only Caroline, some of the emails we've got here to the radio station over the last six or seven weeks, um, usually from husbands or fathers of children who want to go with their wives, with their partners uh, to a maternity hospital and can't see the reason, particularly over the last six weeks where we've seen a loosening of all restrictions in other areas. In other words, 
I can, can't go into a hospital with my wife, but as soon as she comes out, we can walk across the road and sit in a restaurant together right beside each other. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, Brenda. I, I can't see how you could possibly compare a restaurant to a maternity hospital where there are vulnerable people and newborn babies and, and often very sick people. I mean, I, I suppose I'm coming at this from a point of view now of, of not having a huge deal of sympathy for those who are complaining about the restrictions as they currently exist in the unusual circumstances that we find ourselves. You know, as far as I understand from, the, from listening to the uh, master of the maternity hospital, the Rotunda this morning, um, partners can be present for the birth, uh, they can attend at scans, the only restrictions appear to be on, on fathers basically hanging around in open wards. Visiting, wards, I suppose. Of, well, no, b- before yeah. well, a woman is, is maybe in pre-labour situation, which, you know, in my experience, having had five kids in the rotunda, they don't let you hang around for very long. If you're clearly not in labour, they would often send you home. I don't know if that has changed. But in any event, those wards are, have beds which are separated by a single curtain. And a lot of women, for no, no reasons that have nothing to do with the pandemic, are there on their own. And you have circumstances, now, just, you know, without going into too much detail, where you have a doctor, or maybe a midwife, by your bedside, and they're talking in, you know, not sotto voce about what they're going to do and what procedures you might need and, and, and the, the pr- process of the internal examination you're getting. Well, there's a bloke at the next, in the next bed. I mean, this hasn't always been the most comfortable setting for women anyway. Yeah, but you, do, yeah, but you, know, you don't want to be going, you don't want to be going back in time either, Brenda, where, no, at no, a time no, where we were all afraid to talk about things like but that. Also, but also, yeah, but you, you don't necessarily want the, the stranger in the next two feet away hearing those details either now in those circumstances. Trust That's me. That's not really anything really to do with COVID, and also, but again, just, I know I've said that, but, but I mean, the fact is, I'm not convinced that not having visitors to hospitals, especially in these circumstances, is any great loss because, for one reason, I point out, and this is, this is well accepted, that, that the rates of hospital-acquired infections have plummeted since visitors have been stopped coming into hospital. And, you know, Partners I, are not visitors. My own, my own yeah, well, I, I, I would suggest, by the way, Brendan, just in relation to the word visitors, okay, we use that very loosely, that term, because, you know, a partner who's with a wife, maybe on a first-time pregnancy, or maybe she's a second-time pregnancy and she might have had a difficulty in the first pregnancy and needs support, that's not a visitor, that's a support. Absolutely, and they have support when they need it. They have support of the delivery, they have support of the scan. But they want their but partner to support them, or they want their mother to support them, or whoever it is that's with them. No, this is what is allowed in the rotunda at the moment. The partner can come into the, the, the single room, which everybody goes into for delivery. Yeah, they can come in for a pregnancy assessment unit, the anomaly scan, uh, inpatient wards, and a, a neonatal intensive care unit at certain times, and of course the and entire the delivery. delivery. And yes. the delivery, and the delivery. So, I mean, what other circumstances? Okay, well, then, then, hang on. Let me ask Caroline. Caroline, what other circumstances at this moment in time from today, since the government have clarified this, and, of course, uh, Fergal Malone has clarified his position within as a master of the maternity hospital at Rotunda, what other visits are you campaigning for? Well, let's talk about the 12-week scan. If you can accommodate partners in the 20-week scan, there's absolutely no reason you can't do the same for the 12-week scan. That's the, the booking scan, the dating scan, where very often that's the first time that a miscarriage is picked up. So it is a well, very anxious experience. said this morning that that is to be permitted, that they have, they have established pathways through the hospital, safe pathways, to allow partners to attend for that. So that's, that's out. He yes. also said that in, in circumstances where those scans show any anomaly or any cause for concern, that, of course, there's no further restrictions on partners attending. So that's that dealt with. Okay, and what about people presenting with any kind of a, um, an emergency situation in their, in, into the emergency room in the maternity hospital? That's always going to be a very anxious 
upsetting, uh, a very anxious moment for a person. And to be told at the door that your partner has to stay outside while you sit there, possibly bleeding, wondering about the health of your unborn child, there's absolutely no reason that we can't allow partners in for that if we can. Well, again, listening, listening to his explanation this morning, it made perfect sense to me. This is a 300-year-old building, and some of these waiting facilities are in the older, unventilated parts of the building. Now, I've been in those myself. They maybe have 10 or 12 seats in the room. If you have partners there as well, you have overcrowding. In circumstances where he said 60% from 60% of, of partners and uh, pregnant women coming into the maternity hospital at the moment are not vaccinated. And you don't, this is not just for your own concern, this is out of concern for the safety of other people as well. And, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I understand. I was pregnant opposed. throughout this pandemic and I've had a baby in this pandemic, so I understand very well the risks that you uh, are at. Because I suppose, I suppose the, ar- the argument is, Caroline, if anything happened to one of the women, and many of the women haven't been vaccinated, as we see from the statistics, or haven't been fully vaccinated, and many of the partners haven't been fully vaccinated, and more so than everybody else in the community. Now, I understand the cautiousness around that, by the way, for a lot of people, and there's also oh. the age barrier as well there, because many of these people would be young. But the point, Caroline, the point I'm making is, does Brendan not have a point? If anything happened to another mother who was in that waiting room at the time, and let's just say somebody came in with COVID, because we know throughout the pandemic, hospitals have been a hot point for COVID-19. Absolutely. We know yeah. they have. That's the, And in the UK, the figures were like something like one in four cases actually happened yeah. in hospitals. So if, the, if a pregnant woman who happened to be sitting in the waiting room, you know, got COVID from a partner of another pregnant woman, I know we're going down a bit of a rabbit hole, but, you know, she's going to sue the hospital if anything happened. Well, absolutely. Look, as I say, I was, I was pregnant throughout this pandemic. I had my baby in it and I understand all of that. I, I was the person sitting there um, worried about my safety. So safety has never been something that we are not concerned about. Our entire campaign has always been based on safety, but it's been a ba- based on also finding safe solutions. So we're all talking as if we have no idea if anybody in that waiting room has COVID. We have tests. Why are we not using the tests to find out? Then there's a clear positive or negative, the person sitting there, we can we can then safely assume that everybody in there does not have COVID and we can carry on to live okay, our lives. It's, a, it's a fair point, moment. Brenda. I mean, could we not use antigen sure. tests? Although they're not 100% accurate, we, you know, uh, some countries see fit to use them in airlines So when we're all cooped together on a little plane. Mm-hmm. So surely, Brenda, we could, you know, if the partner wants to gain quick antigen test, 10 minutes, off you go. Or you could just get the vaccine, which is what Dr. Um, uh, Malone said this morning, that once the rates rise, which they will, Inevitably, because there are people who will be pregnant in the next few months. Yeah, but you, Brenda, you're a mother yourself. Yeah, you're a mother yourself. You know, and you're particularly on your first pregnancy, or maybe you've had a difficulty with a pregnancy. There's a cautiousness. And I understand the cautiousness around the vaccine. And I know it's perfectly safe for the vast majority of people and the vast majority of people. But in saying that, there is a cautiousness. And I can understand why a pregnant mother might not want to get it until she has the baby. But I can't understand why a partner wouldn't, and apparently 60% of them have not. And I would wonder about that level of hesitancy. And, you know, if that is the case, and, and those are the real-time figures that, that the um, master of the Rotunda quoted this morning, then people have the, have the, the ability to address this in their own hands. I, I'm it's wondering, by the way, I, I, Caroline, I am wondering about the hesitancy around partners. 60%, well, nearly 60% actually. I'm yeah. not sure how accurate those figures are. Well, 41% of partners have been vaccinated. That's a low number. Now, I'm assuming age has some sort of bearing on that because many of these may be young couples. I don't know. And not well, everybody's that young. But, now, so I don't think but, I, but I mean, we're at a point now, I suppose, Caroline, where a vaccine is available to everybody unless it's maybe they haven't got their second one shot yet if they got AstraZeneca or something like that or Pfizer. But in saying that, I, I don't understand that that type of hesitancy. It's quite a you know it's quite a large number when you look at the the population in the main. Is something yeah. the hesitancy is only about ten percent. 
I'll, I'll say a few things on that. One, I'm not sure how accurate these figures are. There's no actual published data on this. Well, they couldn't be that inaccurate. Well, they couldn't be that inaccurate. 41%, or, 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 give or take 10% either way. Yeah, so as you say. Well, well, hang on, sorry, you say one at a time, so just let Caroline answer that. Sorry, Caroline. I was going to say, I, you know, I, I don't um, want to get into vax or anti-vax sort of discussion, but I could understand the hesitancy uh, for pregnant people, particularly someone who's maybe had a lot of pregnancy losses and IVF, they are yes, I get that. extremely cautious about anything that they do. And again, I was pregnant through the pandemic um, through last year, and we were told you know, vaccines weren't even an option then, but we were told we were at no higher risk. And then suddenly um, all these other risk factors sort of uh, appeared in January, which we had no idea about. So there's been a lot of mixed messages. And that explains, that explains why women uh, who are pregnant may not have got the vaccine, but it doesn't explain yeah. their partners. I don't want to yeah, look, I can't speak for their partners. And um, what, what I would say, though, is that even in situations where a partner can show a vaccine passport, he's still not being let in for certain appointments and for certain um, moments in, in, the, mm-hmm. you know, in the journey. So, so th- they can't sort of use the argument on one hand and, uh, to try and get people to have the vaccine and then at the very same time take it away. Uh, or you know, take any kind of vaccine bonus away and not let them in if they have been vaccinated. That's a fair point, Brenda. If they are vaccinated, you know, I mean, maybe we shouldn't go down the, the situation of discriminating against those who are not and are and aren't vaccinated. That's a whole other debate. But but in saying that, if they are vaccinated, they're still being refused. So then you kind of figure, what's the point of vaccination then, Brenda, in this situation? Because the figures clearly aren't high enough. We're talking about immunity here and about protecting other people. But ultimately, now I guess this what, what this comes down to is, do you trust your medical professionals or not? Do you trust the, the precautions that they are taking? Do you suspect that they have some other agenda going on here, the reason they are keeping patients, uh, partners out of the hospital? Do you think it's anything to do with, do you think it's something to do with anything other than having your best interests at heart? That, I mean, okay, and I'll wrap it up on that. But Caroline, that's a very fair point that Brenda makes. Absolutely. It, I mean, I'm, there, I'm there could be. There's no. I mean, no matter how much of a conspiracy theorist you happen to be, there is no other reason why they would want to keep people out of a hospital if it wasn't for healthcare. I was going to say, I'm a healthcare professional myself, and the the most important thing you can do is communicate with empathy. Um, whatever message you're trying to get across to your patient, and that has not been done throughout this pandemic. Women and their partners have been have felt infantilized. They've they've felt th- there's a level of distrust because of how poor the communication of all these different restrictions throughout the last eighteen months has been. And I think that's what really we need to see an improvement on: a little bit of empathy in the messaging, um, a little bit of sort of genuine, sincere concern for what people are going through. And some well, I think they've done that by by not by easing the restrictions as they have, and the government three weeks ago saying that the restrictions relieved that it was policies of hospitals. And now, of course, if the hospitals come down and say, "Well, okay, we're going to allow all of this except for this," I think they are yeah. showing empathy now at this they point, are, aren't they? But even even last night, I did an audit of every single one of the nineteen units, uh, a fact check of of their restrictions. Um, to see where where they were compliant or not, and places like Galway need to be given a lot of um, uh, well done praise for even the way they they effectively communicated the restrictions and the language that they used showed a, a much higher level of empathy and understanding to women. Whereas in other hospitals, it was just a blanket partners are not allowed here, here, and here. And so even things like that make a huge uh, difference to the women concerned. And a lot of the time. Your, your feelings on your whole maternity journey and your birth are not really based on the outcomes as such. It's, it's how you felt. Did you feel listened to? Did you feel heard? Were your concerns acknowledged throughout that entire journey? And that's all women are asking for. 
Okay, and, and just finally, Brendan, in relation to what you said about it, you know, all being about being about healthcare, we could argue over the last eighteen months. And I know, for example, I, I kind of sometimes I'm glad my both my parents have passed away because if my parents had been in hospital dying, wild horses wouldn't have stopped me getting in to see them. So we do, we did seem to lack empathy over the last eighteen months, Brenda, when it came to those compassionate situations of people dying in hospitals or care homes. You know, realistically, we went down a lot of rabbit holes. You know, well, you can't let that person in because if that person gets in, they might spread it that person who gets to that person and ultimately somebody could die but I mean we did go down a lot of rabbit holes didn't we? We did I mean I, you have to say though this is I mean you could have a whole other debate about that because I know I have been I was on a committee previously which looked at the whole area of, of the death and dying in hospitals and it has never been well treated never been well handled it's been, you know it's, it's been a long standing long running sore in, in Irish medicine anyway Yeah but to leave somebody outside a window while their 85 year old mother or father was dying with nobody with them was horrendous Horrendous, absolutely horrendous. But, you know, bear in mind, this was, these were unprecedented circumstances and you had hospital staff under unprecedented pressure. Okay, but we're not, we're, not, we're not in those same unprecedented circumstances. Now, we have a fair handle on how this whole thing works, but we must have after 18 months. So I suppose the point that Caroline is making at this point now, surely hospitals of all places should be well equipped to deal with this kind of thing in some sort of pragmatic way. And, and if they need to... to, to and I, I don't doubt for a second that, that, that people have... have had encounters that were less than satisfactory and were upsetting and lacking in empathy. No question about it. I mean, that's, that's a criticism that commonly uh, levelled at, at, at medics in, in all circumstances. And, and, and that absolutely could be addressed. But at the same time, I think, you know, that, that I am still prepared to trust that their that they're imperatives, if you like, are nothing but the purest and that they want the best for their patients. And if they can be brusque or if they're if their decisions can seem inexplicable. You know, ultimately, now, what do you want when you go into hospital to have a baby? I know um, Carlos said that... that, that uh, you want to, everybody wants a healthy child, of you course, yeah. You want a healthy child and you want to be healthy yourself. And if that, if that involves a little bit of sacrifice, a little bit of inconvenience, personally, I think most women would be prepared to take it. All right, well, listen, thank you very much indeed. Brenda Power, Caroline Cummings, who's a maternity advocate for the campaigner, or a campaigner to ease the restrictions. And Brenda, who, of course, is a columnist with the Sunday Times and the Irish Daily Mail. Thank you for joining us on the line. Now, I'm sure there are many people are texting in. Look, all Ready? They couldn't get in with their partners. Now, I know some of you are texting and saying six months ago I couldn't get in with my wife. That's kind of different. And I, I empathise with you, by the way, and I do believe that was wrong. Um, but we're in a different situation now. Uh, according to all the hospitals, you should be allowed to have all those important visits with your partner. There is no reason why you can't. Um, the Rotunda, of course, have said that they, you know, because of the particular type of building it is, it doesn't have air conditioning, etc., 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 etc. But they are allowing the anomaly scan, the inpatient wards, the neonatal intensive care unit at certain times, depending obviously on how many people are there probably, and also the entire duration while the patient is in labour and on the delivery suite. At the moment, I suppose you could argue what more can they do? That's the point Brenda is making, that they are doing this in the best interest of their patients. And I suppose if you were a patient, when I say a patient, I don't like referring to a pregnant woman as a patient, by the way. It's a state, isn't it? It's a bodily state, it's not an illness. But anyway, if you were a patient and you were going in to have your baby, I mean, I'm pretty sure you would be very dissatisfied if, uh, you know, boyfriends and mothers were kind of traipsing around the hospital on standard visits, you know, and you have a concern about COVID-19 and you were pregnant. I, I'm sure you would have something to say about it. If anything happened and you did get COVID-19 or anything happened to your pregnancy, you'd be very unhappy, wouldn't you? You'd probably want to sue the hospital afterwards for not taking the right precautions. So it's kind of, you're caught in a rock and a hard place there. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.